0: Okay, again, welcome to Inside Out. It's nice to see everyone tonight. If I can have your attention to the front of the room while Will is eating his popcorn, we're going to start, okay? Um, so here's the deal. A little, little bit of an uh, intro tonight that's a little bit different. If this is your first night to youth group, sorry. <laughs> um, this is going to be a little more bold night, okay, than what we normally have in Scripture when we talk about the Scriptures here in the room tonight. I think there'll be some squirming in the chairs I think there'll be some heads hanging. There'll be some embarrassment. There'll be some shame. There'll be all kinds of things that we're going to deal with tonight. Because what we're going to talk about tonight is this is the last week of your questions and God's answers. Week three flee from sexual immorality. Flee from sexual immorality. If I can put it this way, we're going to talk about the birds and the bees tonight. But we're going to talk about it from a creation perspective and a cultural perspective. But what I want you guys to do tonight is I really want you to hear my heart tonight, because we're going to be talking about sexual immorality. We're going to be talking about a few things there. We're going to be talking and digging into homosexuality as well. We're going to be talking about all sorts of different things along the evening tonight, okay? So I want you to hear my heart tonight. One thing I don't like doing that the world has forced us into a corner of doing, if I can put it this way, is apologizing for something I haven't done. I've not judged people and been critical of people who are homosexuals or being sexually immoral. I don't judge any student in here in this room that's had sex outside of marriage. I love you guys. Jesus tells us this in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 10, I think it's around 17 and 18, where the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, Good teacher, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Like we talked about last week. Jesus says, why do you call me good? God's the only one that's good. And we talked about that last week. If we're Christians, we are good because God is good and that's who dwells in us. But Jesus says this to him. He says, here's how you inherit eternal life. But before he tells him, he says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Look at me tonight. As I look at you tonight, I want you to know that I love you. And this is why I'm telling you this, because nobody ever came along, a young Dan Knust, and explained sex like I'm gonna try to explain it to you guys tonight. How it can be looked at from a biblical principle, how we can have victory over this sexually moral thing. Listen, everybody heard sort of about the term cancel culture, right? Yep, we got a pandemic in our country. Did you guys know that? And it's called sexual sin. That's the pandemic. So if I could cancel anything tonight, if I can play along with cancel culture, You know what I would cancel? Sexual immorality. That's what I would cancel. I would get rid of it completely. Think about your life. Think about your life now. Ladies and gentlemen, think about what your life would look like if sex wasn't tipped upside down on its head and what we're being told by our culture to do. I don't know if any of you guys have ever watched the movie Journey to the Center of the Earth. It was an older movie like 2013, okay? In that movie, they get their way to the center of the earth, right? Do you remember the scene with the compass? The boy finds his dad's compass, right? And remember, in the center of the earth, north is actually south, and south is actually north. And this is what we deal with in our world today when it comes to sexual temptation. We're being told that north is actually south. South is actually north. The polarity of the conversation has been turned around completely in the wrong direction. It's been turned around from, listen, Hollywood did not, sex was not born in Hollywood. Do you guys know that? Sex was actually birthed in heaven. Sex was actually birthed in the idea that God gave us of what this is in the beginning of time. And I was back there praying a few minutes ago and it dawned on me. I thought, you know, I'm pretty uncomfortable with tonight's message to be honest with you. I'm not afraid of it. I love the conversation and I've talked to a lot of you guys about this stuff. But I'm uncomfortable with it because of this. Think about this. If it was as beautiful as it was when God created it, we would not want to not talk about it. If it wasn't perverted and full of sin, we wouldn't have any issue with talking about sex in this room tonight. But there's shame attached to it because of the fall. So what I want to get across tonight, one of my favorite Bible verses is this, and I'm going to kind of set the scene here a little bit if I can. In Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, it says this, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. Okay? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. Another word tonight what I want to talk about are our desires. But I want you guys to get this on the front end of this is our desire is perverted. But if we delight in the Lord, our desire becomes the Lord. So we can take all these desires that are tipped upside down where south is north and north is south and all these things that have happened at the beginning like I'll talk about in just a minute, I want you guys to realize I don't want to talk just about sex tonight. It's going to be the topic of conversation, but this desire, think about this. Do you have anger issues? Do you have rage? Do you get mad? Do you lose your temper? Anger's not a bad thing unless it's stuffed full of a fever of sin. Do you want to achieve things? Jesus says you can't serve two masters. If it wasn't for sin, the desire of money, manna, wouldn't be out of control. So these desires that I'm talking about are things that aren't just sexual, but that's where we're going to hone in on this tonight, okay? So the very first thing is go back to that first slide real quick, if you would, Corey, please. What does the Bible say about sexual immorality? Go to the the next one right there, just where you were at. Here's what I want to get across to you guys. Here's the first question I got for you tonight. Are sexual desires inherently sinful? No. They're perverted. Our desire for sex has been perverted. Watch this. I want to make sure you guys get this. I was talking to someone earlier today, and my favorite part of a conversation was talking with someone about The gospel or sharing my faith is to bring them back to the beginning. See, we want to talk about the cross, the empty tomb, and the resurrection, rightfully so, but I want to take you back to the beginning tonight, and I want to paint a picture for you what sex looked like in the beginning. God, you guys know the story. God made Adam out of the dust of the ground, and he said it is not good for man to be alone. So what God did is he put Adam to sleep, didn't he? Knocked him cold, gave him some anesthesia stuff, and knocked him out, took a rib out, and he made Eve. Side note, just for a second, God laid this on my heart a few years ago. I get to officiate several weddings and the the career, the vocation that I get to do, and do you guys realize when you watch a father walk a daughter down the aisle, do you realize that's biblical? Because in the beginning it said, God put Adam to sleep and then woke him up and the father brought Eve to Adam. Pretty cool, don't you think? I don't know, you guys, I thought that was a pretty sweet example that God laid on my heart. So when you see, and you're at a wedding, and you see someone walking someone down the aisle to the groom, that's biblical. That's what God did in the beginning, but God also did this. He wanted, do you guys, you guys know why sex was created, right? To make babies. That's the, that's the natural desire behind sex that God had was to populate the world, right? So, it, inherently, it is not sinful. It has been perverted because then what happened is this. Look at the word perverted as defined as turned from what is right. Oh my gosh, you guys, can you imagine what sex had to be like on the front end? Okay, can I just get something out of the way tonight? Sex is awesome. There you go. It's one of my favorite things to do with my wife. How's that? <laughs> Sex is amazing. But why is it amazing? Because it's a gift given to us by God. My wife will kill me if she listens to this, by the way. (laughs) She will not be happy with me. But sex is beautiful in the right context. It's beautiful if it is used for what it was created for between a man and a woman in marriage. It is a beautiful thing God's given us, and he's not holding it back from us, so let's get into this. What it is, here's what happened real quick. I gotta get back to this, because I'm gonna be all over the place tonight. Turn from what is right to wicked, misguided, and distorted. When Eve was deceived by the devil, Adam and Eve were perfect, running around in their birthday suits, no shame, no sin. You guys know the story. Then when Eve was deceived by Satan, And then Eve turned around and gave the fruit to Adam, and Adam picked the girl over God and ate the fruit, sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, I want you to see an injection of a fever, an injection of infection, an injection of perversion that Satan and sin entered into every single desire you have has been perverted by the devil. God gave us, God created us with these desires. The devil has created nothing. The devil perverts everything good that God has given us. The devil has perverted. That's why we sit in this room tonight not wanting to hear about Dan's sex life. Because it's embarrassing. Why? Because there's a sense of shame that comes along with that conversation because of sin. Never lose sight of the fact that what God has given us in this area is beautiful, and it's natural, and it's how we populate the planet. It's how I ended up with two kids, for crying out loud. So sex in itself is not bad. God created it for men and women, and it is a gift from him. But what are we supposed to do with this thing called sex? What's Paul say to do with sexual immorality? Go to the next one, Corey. Corey. Paul says this, run. In 1 Corinthians 6, chapter 18, verse 18, it says this. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Another side trail here. If you're in this room tonight and you have gotten caught up in sexual immorality and you've been active sexually, and after tonight, and even before tonight, you know God doesn't want you doing that. I want you to realize something. I don't want you to hang your head other than I want you to hit your knees and pray and ask God to help and forgive you for what you've done and the extent of what you've taken this gift, this beautiful thing that he's given you, this thing that is so perfect in the beginning and has been so perverted and turned upside down on his head, there's nothing you've done that God will not redeem you from. Make sure you hear me on that, because I'm pretty sure that most, I bet 90% of this people have been involved in something that has to do with sexual immorality at some point in their in their young lives in this room. And I will guarantee you, every adult in this room, wouldn't say everyone, but I can guarantee you this adult has been involved in it for a long time. And I've been forgiven of it. And I've been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ from what I did or didn't do in regards to this conversation that we're having tonight. So I want you to realize that you can be forgiven. But to flee, Paul says run. And the reason why Paul was talking to the Corinthians about this was, just a little context in this, in Corinth, they worshiped the idol Aphrodite. And Aphrodite was a sex god. So there, was, there were believers everywhere in Corinth that were still hooked up in, in temple prostitution. And Paul makes it very clear, stop that. You've been bought with a price. You are not your own any longer. Your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus. Do you know that? Do you know if you're a Christian, your body is not yours any longer, so it's not yours to do with what you want to? It belongs to the Lord. It's not mine to do with that anymore. But here's the deal. I wrote this down on my sheet. It's hard to run, it's hard to run from sexual temptation, isn't it? It's in the movies. I got on your little sheet on your bullet tonight, 55% of all movies are R-rated movies. That's why I don't watch R-rated movies. We've got it in movies, television, social media, music, you name it, you guys are dealing with it, aren't you? And it is right before you, no matter where you look and what you do, isn't it? You know why I know that? Because I live in the same world you guys do. Remember, I'm 58 years old, but do you remember David was in his 50s when he fell to sexual sin with Bathsheba? So don't you think for a second this is for you guys? God's been working me over big time, helping me keep on track with my own life in in regards to this conversation. Sexual activity outside of marriage and homosexual relationships are treated as normal anymore. Everywhere you look, it's homosexual relationships and sex outside of marriage. Is it not? Think about television, movies, music, whatever it is. Think about how often you don't see a husband and wife in a relationship, having sex, and are even happy. Most of them are unhappy because the world is programming you from a cultural perspective. This is the way to go. Don't do that. The dance, saying, that's old-fashioned. The world's changed. It's not the same anymore. Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago, flee from sexual immorality. So it was going on way back in the day, too. So it's not new. It's been twisted and turned upside down since sin entered the world. I want you guys to make sure you hang on to that. Everything is being treated as normal and, in a sense, even more desirable. Think about it this way. I'll lay this at your feet real quick. This might not mean as much to you, but I want to share it with you so maybe it will down the road, okay? Okay? I had this epiphany and some of you heard me teach this before. I was watching something on television one day in my house and my daughter was in the room with me and I'm a Christian now, okay? And I refer to it as soft pornography come on the screen on my television. And it dawned on me, I thought, Jennifer's right there, TV's right there, I'm sitting in my recliner and I thought to myself, would I allow those two people on that screen, what they're doing right there on that screen to come in and do the same thing on my living room floor? No. (laughs) Duh. That's an easy answer, right? No. If I'm watching television on the screen and they're dropping the F-bomb every other word and GD and JC and all these other things, would I allow Clark to come in my house? He would never do this. But would I allow Clark to come in my home and speak that way? No. But I'll let it come through that stupid television, won't I? I want that to stick with you guys. What what you watch on your phone, if you were sitting with your mom and dad in the living room, could that person that you're watching on that phone come in to do the same exact thing on the carpet in your living room? And if the answer is no, then shut it off. Don't be charged anymore by these things. What we view affects what we do. What we view affects what we do. Guard your eyes and you will guard your heart. You will guard your activity if you guard your eyes. There's a reason I don't watch R-rated movies. There's a reason I've got the remote control right there so I can skip through something and I record everything anymore so I don't have to watch what I don't want to watch that's not healthy for me. And it's just my wife and I at home. Nobody's going to know. But we know and he knows and he doesn't want me living that way. And it doesn't honor my wife to do that. Job put it this way. I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a young woman. Have you, gentlemen? In the King James, it says this. I'm not a King James guy, but one time I was studying this, and in the King James, you know what it says? Job says, I have made a covenant not to think about or look upon a young woman lustfully. So can we just get real for just a minute and make it really uncomfortable? Is that okay? Because I think if you listed out sexual immorality, here's what it looks like. Masturbation, pornography, oral sex, Sex is not just intercourse, you guys. Ephesians 5 tells us that we're not supposed to have a hint of sexual immorality. So if you. If your hands are doing things to each other sexually, you shouldn't be doing that. It's sex. If you're using body parts in a way that are causing you to have orgasms, that's sex. If you're wandering around with your hands from the neck down in areas you shouldn't wander around in, that's sexual immorality. And there should not be a hint of sexual immorality in our lives, you guys. Culturally, is going to tell you that's the way you figure out whether you're compatible or not. That's the way you figure out, well, yeah, what happens if you get married and all of a sudden you're married and it doesn't work? Trust me, okay, just listen. <laughs> Trust me, it'll work. You don't need to take a test run first to find out if it's going to be okay later on. I promise you, it will be okay. You know why? Because God created it that way. Paul makes it very clear that Christians are supposed to have no part in this, no part in sexual immorality of any kind. I don't care what the culture says, you guys, because it's killing you if you're involved in it. It is going to destroy you. Now, let me get back to a few things real quick, and I'm going to move on here just for a second. One of the fruits of the Spirit that I think we miss is this. We love love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self control. I think self control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. In other words, it's a strength, a power, a grace God gives me to live out my life sexually, is self control. If you are handling yourself, if I can put it that way, on a regular basis, stop it because it's not good for you sexually. It's killing you. And gentlemen, I don't think there's a guy in the room that hasn't explored this area of life. And I'm telling you, it seems like it's harmless. It seems like it doesn't make any difference at all because what am I hurting? I'm by myself. Yeah, I'm getting charged up a little bit by looking at a little porn, but what's the difference? I'm not getting a girl pregnant. There's no sexual diseases. There's none of this stuff going on, right? There should not be a hint of sexual immorality, gentlemen. And ladies, it's the same thing with you. Pornography is not just a thing for the guys anymore, is it girls? Pornography is a good thing for the ladies, too, because you're trying to figure out what it is that we're looking for. Don't do it. It will kill you. And if you're stuck in it, I want you to do me a favor. Guy or gal, come talk to myself or one of the leaders. You can have victory over this. You don't have to live this way. See, people will think I'm free in Christ, so therefore I'm free to do whatever I want, but you're a slave to your desires, you guys. And I promise you, you do not want to create a habit that you're doing now as a young single person that you're going to have to carry into a marriage later on. It'll kill you. Why doesn't God want me to have sex before I'm married? Some people may think it's because um, sex outside of God just wants to steal my fun. He doesn't want me to enjoy myself. Heard that before? I want to have sex outside of marriage because I'm not going to listen to God. He just wants to steal my fun. He will give you every good gift there is to have. But God, think about it. If God created it, God should have the operational plan for it. Should he not? If God created it, God should know the best way to use it, right? But no, we go like this. God created it because of sin. I go, thanks Lord, I'll take it now and I'll figure out how to make it work. And it will work. It just will not pay off. God does not forbid sexual sin to keep us from having fun. He realizes the power of physically and spiritually it has on a person sex helps a marriage it helps it to stay strong because a husband and wife are joined together as one in this sexual expression that they have but listen to me here's the problem yes it is in a in a marriage relationship a man and a woman come together and the bible says they will come together and be one right but they are one because of sexual circumstance not because they're married so if you come together sexually with someone guess what you are you're one with them for the rest of your life. I wish I had other stories to tell you guys, but I don't. Here's a story I would tell you. My wife and I often talk about this, how we, how we long and how we just desire that we would be the only ones that we know. It would be I know her and she knows me and we know no one else, but that's not true. I spent 38 years of my life not knowing the Lord and I spent a long time not knowing the Lord. So there has been several times that I've got home movies that I watch that I, I pray I never had before. I wish I didn't have those home movies, but I do. And there's no way I can change that. Now, I know I've been redeemed and I've been forgiven for it. There's no doubt that that's happened, but I want you guys to realize something. You don't want to do it the way I did it because there's so much harm and destruction with you guys. And there is a connection to every single person, and I remember them all. Every single person, that has been in that part of my life, I remember them like it was this, and it makes me sick to my stomach, and I wish it wasn't so. There is an emotional, a sexual, a spiritual, physical, there's an emotional, a sexual, the physical part of it, but there's also a spiritual connection that you will go through, you guys. When you spend time with someone else, you will experience this. I just pray it's in a marriage relationship that you do for the very first time. And remember, if you've done this and you've gone too far, God will forgive you. You just need to realize what he wants of you and that he wants you to have victory over this and he will help you. Because I put this stupid piece of duct tape on my arm because I heard a sermon a long time ago. A guy did this. This is a sexual experience for me outside of marriage. Right here, okay? And every time I do this, watch, and I peel this off, something goes with it. See there, whoever leaves after that experience, we are one for the rest of our lives and we can't change it. And the residue of that person, that tape, is on me. You guys, this is a very real thing that we gotta get our arms around. It's so... I wish I could convince you not to. I wish I could convince you that it's worth waiting I know people that have. My daughter was one. You guys heard me talk about that before? My daughter experienced her very first kiss at the altar. And she has a wonderful life, three beautiful kids. I wish I could convince you guys to wait because it's just not worth it. Sex is awesome, but it's empty outside of a marriage relationship. But there are There are things that will happen to you and it will stick with you. So the reason why God wants you to wait is because he knows what's best for you. Sex is like a bonding agent between a man and a woman and it is meant for marriage. And it grieves God. Think about this. God made something so beautiful and so perfect in the beginning and the devil came in and perverted it and turned it upside down. And don't you think for a second that it doesn't break God's heart when you go with your plans instead of his. When you go and you fulfill your desires the way you want them fulfilled, knowing that God's the one that gave them to you to begin with. Yes, they're perverted, and yes, they're swollen, and yes, they're infected, but he still gave them to you. And if we understand, if we understand when it comes to sexual sin, if we get this, we're cooperating with the devil's plan when we give in. We're not cooperating with God's plan, and it breaks his heart. And the devil's gonna lie to you. He'll lie to you and tell you it's okay. That it won't make any difference. God will forgive you. He'll even tell you that. God will forgive you. It'll be all right. It breaks God's heart. Ephesians four thirty tells us that do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So in other words, we can grieve God's heart, and we do it by doing that. The next one is this: What does the Bible say about homosexuality? I want to. I let you guys know I'm a pastor. I'm a youth pastor. I'm not a. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not some professional. I'm a youth pastor. But I know enough to know what the Bible says about this conversation. And that's what I want you guys to get your arms around tonight. So I'm going to come up with four different questions that I've laid laid out. And I'm going to give a real brief answer on them. If you want to talk about these more in depth later on, I would love to do that. This doesn't give us all the answers, but it gives us a framework to understand what this is. See, people, again, want to make this a cultural conversation. People want to make homosexuality a cultural conversation, and it's not. It's not. It is a creation conversation. And that's why you see the world today, you guys, going against everything that has to do with the Bible. Genesis one twenty seven says, In the beginning, he created them male and female, period. There's there's almost a hundred different genders now that people are telling you that are out there in the world. I'm going to believe God there's two. I don't care what you do to your body, unfortunately. It breaks my heart to watch people do this to themselves. But I'm telling you, your DNA does not change, and God did not make a mistake when He created you. He loves you, and He made you perfect, and He wants to use you the way you are for His glory. So, this isn't a cultural conversation, this is a creation conversation because the world's gonna tell you that it's okay if you don't believe God's your creator. What's the difference? So I'm not mad, I'm not angry, I don't hate the people that do this, it breaks my heart. You know why it breaks my heart? Because for 38 years, I was them. I was far from God, I was lost, and I didn't know his truth. So why would I hate someone if I'm thinking back to when I was saved? I don't have to be critical of someone. My desire is for them to know the one that gave us these desires to begin with so they would start to live within those desires. And I want to make it very clear. I listened to a book one time, Gay Girl Good God, I think, is the name of the book. It's a really good book if you want to go listen to it sometime or read it. Gay Girl Good God, I think her name is Jackie, oh, I can't remember her last name now. Anyway, she said this in this book, and it struck me. She said, God did not call me to get out of the gay lifestyle to be married to someone and have kids. God called me out of the gay lifestyle to be married to Him. We're supposed to be married to Christ, not someone else. What if you give your life to Jesus and you love You're a guy and you love girls and you never get married. Is there something wrong with you? No. God wants you. He doesn't want you to be heterosexual or homosexual. He wants you to be you. And then when you live a life that he's called you to, you will live biblically and you won't fight with these things. And if you ever, ever, this lady ended up getting married to a guy and she's got a couple of kids, but that's not why she got out of the gay lifestyle and gave her heart to Christ. She did that because God called her. So we got to get through this quickly. It's not cultural, it's creational. The first one is, according to the Bible, is homosexuality a sin. According to God's word, homosexual behavior is a sin. But struggling with the temptation and the desire is not. I wish I could bring a gentleman in here that I've known for years who loved God and loved God, and he and I would talk about it, and he's in the ministry. He is a Christian who has struggled with homosexual desires over his life. But you know what? Along the way, he fell in love with God and he started to do it God's way, and he is married, and he does he's got a kid on the way now, decades later. This took him forever, and he and I talked about this a long time ago, how he struggled with this battle and how he didn't know what to do, but he did love God, so he did it God's way. And he pushed back on that desire. The only time I get fired up in this gay Christian idea is this. If somebody says they're a gay Christian, breaks my heart. You know why? Because they're putting who, what they think is their identity before Christ. If I'm a gay Christian, my identity and who I think I am is more important than who I've been saved and redeemed by. Do you guys understand that? I can be a Christian struggling with sexual sin, I can be a Christian struggling with the desire of homosexuality. That is not a sin, but the activity and the lifestyle is. But it's no different than sexual immorality. If you're in this room and you're screwing around, you're doing the same thing somebody at the school is doing. Tanner and I talked about this earlier today because we were just kind of discussing tonight and how I was kind of freaking out because I didn't really want to do this, to be honest with you. I'd much rather do anything than this tonight, but I want you to know the truth because I love you. And Tanner says, I had a friend of mine in high school who was not a Christian and he was gay. And he lived a gay lifestyle. He was sexually active. And Tanner would talk to him and he'd say, why don't, don't do and he'd say, So you're telling me not to live a gay lifestyle when all of your friends that are supposed to be Christians are sleeping with each other? Hello? <laughs> How do you do that? Kind of ruins a person's testimony, doesn't it? So we're going up trying to tell someone, but here's the deal. If you're in this room tonight and you're doing it God's way, it doesn't matter what the culture's doing it. You're doing it God's way so somebody else can do it God's way. It doesn't take more than one person to be redeemed out of a lifestyle that's nasty that could get you back on track. According to God's word, it is a sin, the behavior, but the temptation, the desire is not. But God wants, you to, God wants to redeem you of that by you giving that desire back to the one who gave it to you to begin with. There's a difference between the activity of a homosexual lifestyle. The Bible clearly and consistently declares homosexuality, activity, is a sin. I put a list of scriptures on there for you guys. Genesis 19, 1 through 13. Leviticus 18, Romans 1, 26 and 27. 1 Corinthians 6 9. 1 Timothy 1, 10 makes it very clear. If you're living that lifestyle, you are in sin against God. I don't make the rules. I'm just echoing what the Bible teaches us. The second thing is this, is a person born gay. This is one of the favorite conversations I love to have with people. If somebody comes up to me and says, Dan, I'm born, I believe I've been born this way. I love this conversation because I can take them by the hand and take them from where they're at all the way back, not to convince them to change, but just to share the truth with them. I take them from this idea of being born gay, and I take them all the way back to the beginning, and I say, listen, in the beginning, God made this thing so beautiful. But because of sin, you think you're born that way. What you're born is you're born. You're not born that way. You are Here, I want to share this real quick while I'm thinking about it, and I got it in my notes. I really believe this is something culture has done to people that is absolutely dirt evil in my opinion, and I'm not mad at the gay community, I'm mad at people telling them that this is true, that that's who they are. See, if I'm in sexual immorality and I'm screwing around with another woman, that's not who I am, it's what I do, right? I'm having sex with someone outside of marriage is what I do, it's not who I am, It's what I do. The gay community tries to tell people it's who you are. What you do comes out of that, but it's who you are. You're born that way. You're born that way. You don't have any more control over that than your height and the color of your skin. That's insane. And it drives me crazy when they tell a poor soul that. It's a desire that's been perverted. Now, are they, do they have that desire, and is it real for them? Yes, I'm not going to tell them it's not. It's a very real, it's no no different than the desires I've had as I was growing up. It's a very real desire, but they're not born that way. They're born with the susceptibility toward that sin, toward that desire. No different than somebody, you ever known somebody that's just dirt mad and just violent? They're born that way, aren't they? No, they're susceptible to that desire, to that temptation. They fall into that pattern. Murderers aren't born murderers it's what they do but it comes out of a perversion of a heart so i really i love to talk to people who tell me dan i'm born this way no you're not because why in the world would god tell someone for god so loved the world that he sent his only son whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life but i'm going to but i'm a god that's going to let people be born with some sort of a some their their identity is something i call detestable that's not god read the bible that has got to just aggravate God when he hears things like that. It's just so wrong. They're not born that way. They do believe that that desire is so real for them, and I'm not saying it's not. It's very real for everyone who feels that way, and it breaks my heart because they're being duped into going a different direction by the world that it's okay, and in God's eyes, it's not, you guys. It breaks God's heart. If they struggle that way, they need to learn to delight themselves in the Lord, and He will give them the desires of their heart. And if their desire is for God, God will help them overcome that desire of homosexuality. Make sense to you guys? Temptation's not a sin. The act of sexual immorality, period, is. I got to get through this. Does Jesus talk about homosexuality in the Bible? Yes, He does. In Matthew 14, or 19, four through five, it's on your sheet. Have you not heard it read in the scriptures? Jesus replied, they, record, they recorded that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife and the two become one. That's right there, deals with homosexuality. Jesus makes it very clear. Jesus does not give a itemized list of sin. Do you know that? Go find in the Bible where it says we shouldn't kidnap a kid and rape him. It's not in there, is it? So does that make it okay? Should I do it just because, well, Jesus didn't say it was bad, right? Just because Jesus did not give us an itemized list doesn't mean that it's bad, that it's not bad. Pornea is a Greek word that means this. The root word of pornea is pornography, fornication, whoredom, I don't know what that means, and idolatry. I don't know what the word whoredom means, but it sounds bad, doesn't it? So pornea is, is a word that's used in the Greek that Jesus uses several times in Scripture that is the junk drawer of sexual immorality. If you guys want to read something really interesting, just for fun, go read Leviticus chapter 18 sometime. Don't sleep with your daughter-in-law. Don't sleep with your mother-in-law. Don't sleep with animals. Don't be homosexual. Don't sleep with a man like you do a woman. Don't sleep with a woman like you do a man. It's horrible. And the reason why it's in the Bible is because people were doing it. And why were they doing it? Because it was perverted at the beginning because of sin. I mean, my Lord, you got to tell a girl not to sleep with with a donkey? It sounds stupid, doesn't it? But it's in Scripture and it's taught because people were doing it because of the perversion of a desire that was so beautiful at the beginning that God gave us that the world turned upside down on its head. Jesus did not give us an itemized list, but listen to me. If we believe 2 Timothy 3.16, it says this, that all Scripture is inspired by God and helpful for teaching and rebuking and training. So if all Scripture is taught... Jesus may not have used the word laid out homosexual, but he also didn't lay out the word don't kidnap. But Paul and the other apostles made it very clear. Listen now, you guys, you've got to catch this. If you live this lifestyle, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But what I want you guys to do is go find those, like in Galatians chapter 5, and where it says that, it's got a list of other sins along with it, that if you live this way, Not if you make a mistake and you blow it once in a while, but if you live this way, if the trajectory of your heart goes a certain direction, it is a sin and you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But we gotta gotta make a decision. Do we believe the Bible? If I'm gonna believe Jesus Christ hung on the cross, was buried in the tomb, was raised from the grave, and sits at the right hand of the Father, why wouldn't I believe this in Scripture? As Scripture teaches us, all Scripture is God-breathed. I don't care whether Paul wrote it or Jesus said it, or Matthew wrote it or Mark wrote it. It's all God-breathed and all inspired by God. And the last thing is this. Is there redemption for a person living a gay lifestyle? Yes. Is there a, is a redemption for Dan Canoose who was living a sexual immoral, immoral, horribly bad life sexually? Yes, there is. There's no way that a person, the Bible makes it very clear that homosexuality is not only immoral, but it's unnatural. And the reason it's it's unnatural is back at the beginning, God made it natural for a man and a woman to procreate, have babies and make kids. It's unnatural for homosexuality, you guys, because it is not, it does not reproduce. It's not God's plan. So you see a temperament in our nation of people kind of stepping back away from it a little bit and I think part of that for me personally, I think part of that is it's unnatural. It doesn't reproduce. So therefore, it is made very clear, but it does not mean homosexuality is not an unforgivable sin. We can be redeemed from that just like we can from murder, just like we can from hatred. It's not unforgivable. According to the Bible, it is as available to a person in a homosexual lifestyle when they repent and turn toward God as adultery, idol worship, murder, and theft is. It doesn't make any difference, you guys. It's a sin and it's the same sexual sin other than one's natural and one's unnatural. It's the same sexual sin as if you're having sex outside of marriage. You'll both land in the same place. It doesn't matter unless you repent, ask God to forgive you by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're forgiven of our sins and then we're made a new creation in Christ and then our desires turn back to the one who's given them to us. Talk about this in your group for a few minutes and we'll close up here in just a few minutes, you guys. Okay, everybody, I hate to break into the conversation. Listen to me, before I, before I finish up, if you want to stay and talk longer, you stay and talk as long as you want. If you're having a good conversation and you've got time to stick around, but I know some of you have to go, so let me close with this. On your bulletin, you'll see a list of things you can do. It's, I titled it this, because this topic, that I sit at the top, is not just for teenagers, you guys. This topic is for, for, I don't care what your age is in this room, you're dealing with this until we get to heaven. That's why I'm looking forward to getting to heaven. Because there'll be no more temptation. And I really believe that a lot of people, a lot of men limp in this area. Maybe not a lot of ladies as much, but a lot of men really limp in this area bad in sexual sin. So I want to give you guys something that you can work with here, a few ideas that will help you. These are not my words originally, but they're my thoughts. I found this and I thought it fit my brain pretty good, so I thought I'd give it to you. How can I control my sexual urges or desires? One, have a plan. Two, avoid emotionally filled, sexually charged situations. Pause! Prom's coming up. What a wonderful night for this story. Think about prom. The whole thing is sexually charged. And we wonder why everybody's always getting in trouble on the night of prom. You're dressed up. You smell good. The girls are fancy. Men's are in tux. You go out to dinner. You're acting like a married couple. You're acting like adults, and you continue to act like a married couple and adults well into the evening into your vehicle somewhere quietly by yourself, all wrapped up with each other. And we wonder how we got there. Do not avoid emotionally filled, sexually charged situations. So here's the deal. You ready? I'm going to save you at prom. Everybody that's going to prom, listen to me. Here's what you do. You do not find yourself alone in the car with a person that you're going to prom with at the end of the night and you will have no regrets in the morning. Just saying. Third one is, remember the why behind God's no. It's not forever. Take every thought captive, number four. Number five, stay active doing things that are good for you. Daniel Brown, I use you as an example. Daniel and I talked about this earlier this week. He said boredom is the worst thing for him and his girlfriend. So it destroys them. The hardest time they ever have staying on track with God is when they're bored, don't get in bored situations. If you're talking about masturbation, pornography, if you're bored, you're in it. And I will guarantee you, you can't give up pornography and give up masturbation, gentlemen, at the same time, just to be very honest with you, because we have a brain. And eventually, when I stuff enough nasty in my brain, I don't have to look at it on a screen anymore to be charged. Does that make sense to you guys? Stay active, do things. Listen, I don't care, and I know every leader in this room is the same way. If you have our phone numbers, I don't care if it's 3 o'clock in the morning and you find yourself in a situation where you're going to get yourself in a bad situation sexually, you stop and you call someone. Find an accountability partner. Call a friend. Do something to get yourself out of that moment, please, because I promise if you do that, it'll help you. And then finally, slow down. You've got to take the time to read your Bible and spend time in the Word. And remember that being tempted by sexual sin is different from the act. Temptation is not a sin. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was tempted in the desert by the devil for after 40 days and 40 nights. You guys all know the story and how did he fight back the temptation? It is written. We gotta know God's word, you guys. And then we have the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us and will help us get through it. And in the meantime, here's what God wants to do. I want you guys to learn how to control this. Put I look at it this way with a campfire. When we go in the wilderness and we go camping, we start a fire. But what's one of the first things you do with that fire is you put a ring of rocks around that fire, don't you? You have this, this is your ring of rocks right here. And you put a rock around that fire. And what happens, that fire is warm and it's helpful and it's beneficial. And we cook our dinner, but then we take a rock out. And then all of a sudden what was helpful and beneficial and warm and wonderful turns into a raging fire. We gotta keep that ring of rocks around that campfire that is called our sexual desires. And then eventually we get to where we go back to the Lord and we do this just like we started. Eventually we can delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart because the desire of your heart is the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good, and I'm grateful for the time together. Thanks for helping us tonight, Lord. Pray that you would speak to each person in here tonight as you see fit. Meet each person in this conversation, um, not just with our sexual desires, but with other desires as well, Lord. Anger, Anger, money, achievement, sports, whatever that is. Speak to our hearts. Meet each one of us where we need met at tonight, Lord, I pray. I pray that the words that I spoke tonight, that were used, they were usable for you to do something with them to help these students and us adults stay strong in this conversation, Lord, because this does not end until we get to heaven and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. So Father, help us as a group of individuals to learn to delight ourselves in the Lord and then you'll give us the desire of your heart, which is a deeper relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys, you're dismissed, everyone. Have a great night.